Well, good morning, everyone. Morning. How are we all? A very warm welcome um, to our service this morning. Uh, it's such a joy to be back with you. You knew you weren't going to get rid of Tash and I that easily, um, but it's a joy to be back and to help out. Uh, if you don't uh, know me or you've not been here um, for a wee while, my name's Cal. Uh, I've been a ministry trainee at the church for a long time. And Tash and I have just moved away um, to Buckingham, but I've been roped back in to help out um, as everyone else is away on the church weekend away. So it's great to see you, particularly if you're new or visiting this morning. Um, I do want to just take this moment to say a big thank you to you all. Um, we've really valued your prayers and your cards and things that you sent us as we've moved away. We felt so blessed to be leaving somewhere that we really love being, but to go with your blessing has been wonderful for us. So thank you for all your help. We're very thankful to you and thank you to God for how he's helped us settle in uh, to life in Buckingham. But again, it's a joy to, to be back here uh, to see so many uh, wonderful, friendly faces. Uh, we're obviously a bit thin on the ground this morning um, because most people are away at the church weekend away. Uh, I'm sure you'll hear all about that over the coming weeks, how they've got on, what they've been up to. Um, but I'm sure as well that they'll be praying for us this morning as we come together um, to, to worship God, to pray to him and to hear from his word. And as we begin our time together, let me read just these, this verse from Hebrews Chapter 4. The writer of Hebrews says this. He says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, this morning, we have the privilege to be able to approach the great and mighty throne of God with confidence. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be worried. We don't need to be ashamed of all our sin that our last weeks have been full of. But we can come to him with confidence. Why? Because of his mercy and his grace towards us. Because of his undeserved kindness to you and I. Why don't you just take a moment now quietly to, to remember that in your own minds. That this morning, as we come to worship him together, we can come openly and with confidence to hear from him and to worship him together. So let's just take a moment and then I'll pray as we start. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can approach your throne this morning with confidence. Thank you that you are on the throne. Thank you that you rule. Thank you that you reign. Thank you that you are the perfect king of the world and even though we fall so short of your standard we thank you that we can come to you this morning we can receive mercy and grace because of all you've done for us in the lord jesus lord help us this morning particularly if we're feeling wracked with guilt or shame or we're afraid Lord, help us to come to you knowing that you welcome us in with open arms we pray that this morning, as we meet together, that everything we do would be for your glory, to glorify your name, to glorify the King who sits on the throne. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, and well, boys and girls, and for the rest of us, here we are, 
close to the beginning of a new school year. Uh, I wonder how you're settling into the new routine and new rhythms of things getting back to normal after the summer. Um, but here's my question for you if you're at school, but also for all of us. If you think back to before the summer, um, what has changed in your life since then? Maybe something that's happened at school, maybe a change of year, maybe something that's gone on at home or at work. Turn to the people next to you, turn in families. What has changed? What's different from now than was before? Off you go. Just one minute. Talk to the person next to you. Right. See some good discussions, conversations there. Does anyone want to be brave and to share something that's changed or something that's different between now and the summer? Oh, I'm going to come to Lavinia at the back. Can you tell us what has changed, what's different? New teacher, new head teacher, new, nearly new age. Oh, wow. Lots of things going on. Teachers, new age, lots of things happening. Good. Anyone else? Something that's changed? Oh, surely there's something going on. Come on, be brave. I think, yeah, Rob, we'll come to Ros. Come on. What has changed? What's different? I've had a new half knee. Ooh, very exciting. That is, that is quite a big change. You have knee. Anyone else? Anything else that's changed and different? No, I'm willing to share. That's fine. Change. Some of us love change. Sometimes they're exciting things. New teachers, new years at school, different things happening. Um, but sometimes change isn't all that exciting. See, sometimes change can be hard, can't it? Sometimes things change in a way that we don't want them to. Sometimes it can just be tough to deal with new things. Maybe at school, maybe having a new teacher, being in a new year, maybe that's actually really hard. Maybe your teachers aren't as friendly as they might have been last year. Maybe they're not as helpful. Maybe as you've gone on to a new year, maybe your friends have changed and you don't quite get on with them in the same way that you did before. Maybe if we're older, maybe jobs have changed. Maybe life circumstances have changed in a way that we maybe didn't see coming or we found hard. You see, change can be hard. So what are we to do? When things change around us, when life's different than we expect, what should we do? Well, let me read a verse from the Bible, from Psalm 102. And this is what it says about who God is. In the beginning, you made the earth and your hands made the skies. They will be destroyed, but you will remain. They will all wear out like clothes and like clothes, you will change them and they will be thrown away. But you never change and your life will never end you see things change <laughs> things change around us our life changes but god doesn't change he's always the same things in our life will change things get broken things are difficult things that cause us to be sad or to be hurt but god doesn't change He's always in control. He doesn't change, which means he always loves you. There's nothing that you can do to change his mind about what he thinks of you. 
God doesn't change. So when he promises that he's going to be with you always, you know you can trust him. What a comfort that is to know that God never changes, that he always loves us and he always cares for us. So this week, in whatever's going on, whether it's a a normal week and things aren't changing or whether things are out of your control and are different than what you expected, remember this, that God never changes. He always loves you. He's always with you. And he'll never change his mind on that. Why don't I pray and thank God for that wonderful truth and then we're going to sing a song to help us remember that. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you never change. We thank you that you are the same from the moment you created the world until today. And you promise that you will be the same forever. Lord, we thank you that when you make promises to us, that you love us. You promise that you care for us. You promise that you'll never leave us. Lord, we thank you that we can trust you because we know you never change your mind about us. Lord, help us to remember that this week in the things that are happening, or that you are always the same, that you never change. And when things are changing around us, Lord, help us to come to you, to ask for your help, to comfort us when we need it. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you hold us and you are with us always. Help us to remember that even when everything else is changing around us. Uh, Heavenly Father, we pray for the children now as they head out to their groups. Uh, Lord, please help them to learn more about you. Lord, guide those who are teaching. Uh, May they lead faithfully and may you bless their time out together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Right, S Club, children, primary age and younger, you can head out to your groups. Um, Impact, if you're impact age, you're going to be staying in uh, this morning. Um, And while the children are heading out, uh, I'm going to invite uh, Samantha up, uh, who's going to lead us in our prayers. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us all here today on this beautiful autumnal day. For Cal and Tash for giving their time and energy to preach and lead us whilst our church family are away. We pray for all our church family here today, watching online and those away at High Lee. We pray that John T. Alcock leads them well in your word, that they are challenged to grow in you, and they have a blessed time together in your presence. We also pray for those unable to join us through illness and suffering. We pray for Helen as she's in hospital this morning. We pray for the safe arrival of a new baby. We especially pray for Wendy Hopcroft and family as they grieve the passing of Peter. May they know your comfort, presence and peace at this difficult time. We ask that you help us, guide us, our members this week as they um, meet and elect us for eldership. May the preparations for the harvest lunch go smoothly and it be a great opportunity where we can invite family and friends and neighbours to share our love and our thanks for you, for all that you provide And Lord, you provide so much in abundance to us, Lord. We remember all those people in this world who are not so fortunate to have their basic needs of food and shelter provided for. God, we ask for you to watch over those suffering and in need, especially the thousands of people displayed through the flooding in Libya and the earthquake in Morocco 
and the war in Ukraine and so many other nations in this world, Lord. We give you thanks for John and Abby Hunt in Nigeria. May their work be blessed by you. We especially ask that those receiving a copy of John's Gospel and all the supporting godly information, that it's received well by those accessing the medical outreach, and that they each in turn come to you and put their faith in you alone. May John and Abby have new opportunities for outreach provided by you, and may they be ready and able to provide all that is needed in all circumstances through you, Lord. Closer at home, we pray for the Dads and Tots group. We thank you for the team of willing helpers, for the opportunities to share our love for you with them. May the Dads be open to the mission of the group, and may they open their eyes, hearts and minds to all your goodness. May they ask questions and explore faith in you. Equip the volunteers with the wisdom to point to you in all things. We pray for the preparations for the women's breakfast next Saturday. May it be a time for our sisters in Christ to tell CBC to focus on you, to support each other and point each other to you. Lord, we are so thankful for all the countless blessings that you give to each and every one of us. Equip us as we go out about our daily lives this week. May we share our love for you with those around us. May our faith in you be the light to other people's darkness. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. The reading this morning is from Mark chapter 6, verses 45 to 56. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried those who were ill on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns or countryside they placed those who were ill in the marketplaces they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed thank you Dave, for reading and do keep that passage open in front of you um, as we go through it well who is jesus 
And what is he like? So these two questions have been uh, trying, uh, people have been asking these two questions for thousands of years. Was he a prophet? Was he just a wise teacher? Did he have some clever sleight of hand and convince people to follow him? Or was he more than that? I hope as we've been journeying through Mark's gospel uh, that we're getting a clearer and a better picture of just who Jesus was, just what he was really like. I know when I spent time going through a, a gospel chapter by chapter, verse by verse, there's always something new I learn about Jesus, something different, something I hadn't quite spotted before. Something that jumps out at me. Like, guys, Jesus really is something special. And as Mark writes his account of Jesus' life, that's his intention. is to help those who read get a, get a better understanding of, of who Jesus really was and what it means to follow him. And so as we come to this passage, which I'm sure will be familiar to many of us, let's pray that God will use this to help us learn something more about Jesus, about his character, about his identity, and that knowing that will lead us to helping us to love him more. So let me pray, and then we'll get stuck into this text together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance we have this morning to hear from you as you speak from your word. Lord, help us, however we're feeling, to engage not just our minds, but our hearts as well. Lord, may you help me speak clearly and faithfully. Lord, and may what is from you dwell richly in all of our hearts, now and as we leave here this morning. Lord, be with us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you'll notice if you have a look back, you flick back, you see that we pick up the story of Jesus' ministry straight after the miraculous feeding of the 5,000, as you looked at last week with Sarb. Through the whole gospel of Mark, we've, we've seen some incredible and amazing things that Jesus has done. But in this passage here, I want to suggest that this is Mark's clearest indication that he wants us, the readers, to know that Jesus himself is God. See, Mark wants us to know that he isn't just a, a prophet or another special kind of bloke, but that he is God, and without him, we can do nothing. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through this passage bit by bit, and we're going to see how Mark wants us to, to see and understand this. So let's dive in the text together. Look with me, starting at verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. So Jesus has just done this incredible miracle, feeding 5,000 people with just um, some five loaves and two fish. His disciples are part of it. And then straight away, you see that he makes the disciples leave. So Jesus made the disciples get out into the boat. He doesn't, doesn't ask them to. He, he tells them to. He makes them go away on this boat. Now, why, why might he do that? Well, you could argue that 
The disciples have been a bit knackered. They've been busy feeding lots of people. And so he's giving them a bit of time away, a bit of space to get away from all the crowds of people. He's doing them a favor. And it could be that. But with what happens next, I'm not sure that's likely. I think it's much more likely that he's getting the disciples away from the crowds to stop everything going to their heads. So if you think back over the past few weeks, we've seen the disciples sent, sent out themselves to do miracles. They have been involved in the miracles and then with the feeding of the bread, handing it out themselves. They've been directly involved in some incredible things that have been going on. And I know if that were me, well, I'd be so tempted to take the credit for myself, right? These amazing things going on that they seem to have been part of. We're all a bit like that, aren't we? We're tempted to even a, a sports team that we might support that we have nothing really to do with. We want to take the credit for when they do well. When we're doing some sort of group project or task, even though you may not have pulled your weight fully and you do well, you still want to take the credit. That's what we're all like. And actually, even when it comes to doing things for God or doing things as a church, we still deep down want to take the credit for ourselves, don't we? That's how deep down we're all kind of wired. Like how great I was when I invited my friend to come along to Friday at seven. Or when I didn't join in with what everyone else was doing at school. Wasn't I brilliant when I served after the service doing tea and coffee? Look at how all the ministries I'm involved with at church are thriving Way to go, me. It's so easy, isn't it, to slip into that mindset. And I'm sure that's how the disciples would have been feeling. And that's why Jesus does what he does. He sends them out on a boat to the Sea of Galilee to get them away from the crowd. But not just away from the crowd, actually into what turns out to be a bit of trouble. Look, look what happens next, right? Jesus himself, he disappears up a mountain to pray by himself, as he's done a few times already that we read in Mark. And then look what happens. Look at verse 47. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Here the disciples were out in a boat on the sea of Galilee in the middle of the lake and that's not just any little piddly lake that we might find around here no it's huge see Galilee is 13 miles from top to bottom and seven miles wide right so it's a huge body of water and there the disciples are right in the middle of it it could have been three four miles from land they're straining at the oars they're trying to get across but they just can't make it the wind is in the, the opposite direction. They are stuck out here and they can't get across. Um, let me tell you a little story. A few years ago, Tash and I went to visit uh, a friend of ours who lives on the Outer Hebrides on the Isle of Harris. Uh, and one day, um, our friend's dad took us out in a boat to this little tiny island, which was amazing. It was covered in puffins. We met a pod of dolphins as we went through the water. It was honestly one of the most amazing um, trips ever. We got across to this island. We enjoyed some time wandering about. We got back in the boat and headed home. Now, it was a good seven or eight miles worth of water that we traveled across. And on the way back, clonk, the engine of the boat cuts out. Now, it's fine though, because there's a spare outboard engine on board. So our friend's dad picked it up, strapped it to the back, 
nothing. We were stuck in the middle of the sea with no way of getting to land. Now, I'm not a fan of water, right? I hate being at sea at the best of times. And so to be stuck with nothing but a little oar to try and get us miles back home isn't my idea of a fun day out. We had to try and row to get us close enough to get in mobile phone range to be able to phone someone to come and rescue us. We tried to row and row, but we weren't getting anywhere because we couldn't go fast enough against the wind and the current. I've never felt so helpless as being stuck on that boat for all those hours we were out there. Feeling totally helpless. We weren't in danger because he was quite calm. But we were a bit stuck. I wonder if you have ever felt a little bit like that. Stuck in a rut. Not sure where you're going. Maybe you feel like you're kind of just plodding along in life a little bit. Step by step. Things are okay, but it doesn't really feel like you're going anywhere. Maybe in general, as a Christian, you're just sort of treading water. Maybe the things you're doing, the ministries you're involved in aren't quite taking up as you thought they would. Maybe the people you've been telling about Jesus for years still have no interest. Maybe you feel like you're stuck in the middle of a sea and you're not really going anywhere as a Christian. See, we all, to one degree or another, either identity to think too much of ourselves that all the success is down to us or we feel like we're not really going anywhere as so you see how the disciples in quick succession have probably felt both extremes look at how well things have been going and now we're stuck not going anywhere well, what we see jesus do next for the disciples have obviously felt both of those things in quick succession helps us see more of Jesus. Let's look at what happens next and see what Jesus teaches them and wants to show the disciples and what he wants to show us about himself through this. So look what happens next. Look down at verse 48, second half of it. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. We get this amazing scene. Out Jesus goes walking on the lake. Remember, the disciples were out in the middle of the sea, right? There's no way, as some people might argue, that there was a sandbank. So Jesus seemed like he was walking on the water, but actually he wasn't. They were so far in. It's not like he was even able to wade out to them. No, Jesus is walking on water as if it was just dry land. It's this incredible moment. And naturally, the disciples are, they're terrified. They can't quite believe what's happening. It's a mental thing to see. Somebody walking on water. Naturally, they thought it was a ghost. People can't do that. It would be utterly terrifying. But look what Jesus says to the disciples in their fear. Verse 50. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. 
See what Jesus does? He reassures them. He tells them, listen, it's okay. Take courage. Take heart. As another translation says, it's, it's me. It's Jesus. You know me. There's no need to be afraid. And then he gets in the boat with them. The wind dies down. And they're safe. It's this amazing moment of Jesus doing this incredible act and then calming their fears. We just see Jesus' real compassion on them. He doesn't just leave them out there to deal with it themselves. He goes out to help them. Jesus shows wonderful compassion. But there's more to it than that. This isn't Jesus just showing his kindness to his followers. Now he does this to prove to them that he is in fact God. And the way Mark writes this account for us shows that that's the message Mark's trying to get across as well. That Jesus is proving that he's God. Let me read this short section from the book of Job in the Old Testament. Job says this when he's talking about God. He moves mountains without their knowing it and overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place and makes its pillars tremble. He speaks to the sun and it does not shine. He seals off the light of the stars. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. He, God alone, treads on the waves of the sea. And here we see Jesus literally treading on the waves of the sea. Jesus doing this act that no human can do. Proving that he is God himself. But there's more. I look back at verse 48. I wonder, did you notice anything surprising about the language there? Let me read it again. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by. He was about to pass by them. Now that seems like a strange thing that Mark includes, isn't it? Why, why did he say that? Did he really think that Jesus was just going to wander past and ignore the disciples? He was just having a stroll on the, on the lake just for the sake of it? Was he just not going to do anything until he heard the disciples' screams? Well, you see, Mark, at several points, has already made links and references back to the Old Testament to, to reinforce his message about who Jesus is. And I think that's what he's doing here. See, this language of passing by is used on a few occasions, particularly in the Old Testament, when the, the physical presence of God passes by his people, when the presence of God meets his people most closely. It's a phrase used in Exodus 33 when God appears to Moses. God passes by, but Moses has to hide in the cleft of a rock because of God's great power. Again, in 1 Kings, God passes by Elijah in the form of a mighty storm and an earthquake. It's the same language that Mark uses here. Mark's saying that as Jesus is passing by, he passes by just like God passes by his people. Mark's saying, this is God passing by, coming to his people. There's more. Again, look what Jesus says, his exact words to the disciples. Take courage. It 
is I. Don't be afraid. Now, it is I, what Jesus says. A little bit of a clumsy translation. Most of the commentaries seem to agree that actually, this is much more like saying Jesus says, I am he. I am. Jesus here is using the, the very name that God gave for himself to his people, to Moses. I am. See what Jesus is doing? By his words, by his actions, and by Mark's description of what's going on, we can see Jesus is, is showing that he really is God. He's revealing himself to the disciples. More so than he has before, using these big terms to show that he is God. I wonder if that's how you think of Jesus. Do you really read about this man who lived 2,000 years ago and see that he really is God himself, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke everything into existence, the one who's in charge of all things, the, the king of the universe? So maybe you're new to this whole Christianity thing, this whole church thing, and, and you've never really thought that that's who Jesus claims to be. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you kind of take that for granted. You go, yeah, yeah, of course, Cal, we know that. Wherever you are, it's so important that we really understand that. that Jesus is God himself who came to earth to, to live among us, to teach us about what he's like and to do even more than that. Because what makes it even more incredible is as we follow Jesus' life, and we see what he lets himself go through. The pain, the abuse, the rejection, the, the slander, and even to death on the cross. That it's the God of the universe who's doing that. He's submitting himself to that for you and I. This is the God of all authority, the great I am, who willingly made himself nothing. So that you and I could have a relationship with him. If you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. We go on to read that the disciples are amazed about what's happened because well, they didn't understand what had gone on before. They didn't understand with that miracle of the, of the loaves. They still didn't quite have the full picture. They hadn't grasped the fact that Jesus was God himself. So Jesus uses this moment to reveal to them who he truly is. It's, it's a big step. Jesus isn't just someone special. He is the greatest. So can you see the kind of shape of what's going on here? Jesus sends the disciples away from their apparent spiritual success to a place of trial where they're stuck out on a boat so that he can then reveal to them who he really is is and then straight away as we read in that final section that when jesus comes back to them they get to the other side and they go about from village to village town to town and jesus continues to heal people these amazing things start happening again as soon as jesus is back with them so jesus shows them that without him Without him at work, the, the things that he's doing, 
in, with people and things in the world, without him, well, they're impossible for the disciples to do. Without him, they're not doing incredible things. They're stuck in the middle of a sea, helpless to do anything. And you see, that's what Jesus came to earth to do. Not just to show the disciples, but to show all of us how helpless we are. How helpless we are to do anything about our state. How only he can save us from the situation that we find ourselves in. From the sin that is so deeply ingrained in all of our hearts. See, he came to do what only God himself can do. To forgive our sins against him. Which he did by dying on the cross in our place. To take upon himself the rightful punishment that we deserve. Jesus is in the business of doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. He did it for the disciples out on a boat in the Sea of Galilee. And he did it for us on the cross. So when we're tempted to to take credit for the things that we've done, for the things that are going on, even even for our own faith at times, think that that's all down to us where we need to remind ourselves we need to look at things like this and see that none of it is possible without jesus and see that sometimes he'll put us through trials through tough times to allow us to feel a little bit like we're stuck in order that we will come back to him that in those times of trial he will reveal more of himself to us. Jesus uses these things to help us grow closer to him. Listen, that, that can be really tough. Can it to get our heads around? That when tough things are happening, all we really want to do is God just to take these things away from us. To make things all okay, to fix our problems. Sometimes God does. God cares much more about our hearts than he does our situations. Sometimes when things happen, like the disciples, he needs to bring us down a peg to help us see that everything we do have isn't from us, it's from him. He helps us see just how much we need him. And then when we're in those moments, through his word, through encouragement from Christian brothers and sisters, He'll show us more of himself. He will show us more of Jesus. He'll use these tough times to to open our hearts and our minds to see more of him, to grow closer to him. Even though in the moment we might feel far off and distant, at the disciples, he will come and meet us to show more of his love and compassion and care. And sometimes we're only going to be able to see that when we feel like we're out at sea. So in those moments, when we're tempted to take credit for something we've done, remember, if Jesus wasn't in it, then there'd be no success in it at all. Instead of taking the credit, we can give thanks to him for all of his goodness and kindness to us. And in those moments where it feels like you're going nowhere, that things aren't happening like you would, that he's not at work, Well, remember, 
He's going to use these things to reveal himself to you more closely. Maybe you feel a little bit like that as you look around at church on a Sunday morning. We're maybe not as full up particularly today, but even if you think years back, there's not as many people around. There might not be as many things happening, certainly not as many kids around. It can be easy to feel despairing and sad at these things, to think that we're not doing the right thing. But actually, we need to remember that even when things are looking tough, as we see here, God's going to use these things. He's going to teach us more about himself. He's going to force us to rely more closely on him. And as we read in Romans 8, we know that all things work out for the good of those who love him. Not in a worldly sense of good, not that all our problems are going to be solved, but our true good is seeing more of Jesus, is learning to love him more, is growing more like him. So Jesus sends his disciples through this trial to help them see that their success, the world success, only comes from him. He helps them see that without him, they're helpless. And to show them who he really is. He's God himself. And he does the same for us today. He wants us, each and every one of us, to know who he really is. That he's, Jesus is the God of the universe. And that he loves you and cares for you so deeply that he went to die for you. Rather than to leave you helpless and on your own. And he wants you to know him more and more closely. Sometimes he might do that by allowing you to go through tough things. But in that, he wants you to come closer to him. He wants you to cling to him. That you might learn more about who he is and learn to love him more. This morning that you want to talk through anything you want to pray through, then do pray with the person you came with. Come speak to me afterwards. Um, or someone you know and trust. We'd love to um, continue these conversations because they're not easy. But we know that God uses the things that we go through to show more of himself to us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you that you came to walk among us, to live the perfect life on earth, to show us in person what you're really like. Heavenly Father, forgive us that when we take credit on ourselves for the things that you're doing, help us to see success, particularly that within our own hearts, with our relationship with you or as a church, Lord, not as our own, but as yours, and to give you thanks for it. Help us also to, the, to remember that in tough times, when we feel like we're out at sea and we're stuck and we're going nowhere, help us to remember that you're still in control and that you use these things to show more of yourself to us. Well, please continue to use those times. Lord, it's so difficult in the moment often to see that. Lord, if any of us are feeling like that now, Lord, help us cling to you. Help us cling to you that so we can look back next week, next month, in years ahead and see how you've been using these things to grow us, to show us more of you, and to love you more. Father, we praise you 
that you came to us when we were lost and helpless, that you made yourself known to us through Jesus. We thank you that even though you're the God of the universe, you deserves the greatest praise and honor. You became like the least of us. You left your throne of glory. You chose a criminal's end. You paid our debt with your blood so that we could know you as our savior and as our friend. Help us this week, Lord, to continue to marvel at that wondrous truth. Help us to be still and behold you in all that we do this week. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And that brings us to the end of our time together this morning. It's been so good to be back with you. Do stick around and have a, a tea or a coffee together. Remember all that's coming on this week. Um, members meeting on Thursday, the work party on Saturday, uh, and then the harvest lunch on Sunday. And just a reminder, there's no evening service tonight as well. Um, so don't turn up here at six o'clock. Uh, but as we finish, let me leave us with these words. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all as you go and live for him this week for his glory. Amen.